0: Listening to the Destiny Community Church podcast. Today we're going to conclude our higher education series. The first week we looked at the social studies of God. The second week I talked about the mathematics of God. The third week Pastor Andrew expounded upon the grammar of God. Last week we looked at the geography of God. And today we're going to end this series with the history of God. Somebody say the history of God. The history of God is simple, yet complex. God is, he always was, and forever will be. And who in their right mind can explain that? And I will not even attempt to try that, because I don't understand it. Our finite minds, we cannot understand that. We don't get that, that God just has always been. So if you want to really talk about the history of God... God always has been and we can't explain it. But that's not the focus of this sermon because what God did is he added us to his story. To his story. He added us to his story. He added us to it. As the story was unfolding, God placed us in the middle of his story and, and this is what we are certain of about the history of God That he allowed us to be a part of it. So just feel privileged today that the creator of the universe said, I want you to be a part of my story. I want you to be a part of history. Personally, I love history. I do. I'm a history buff. I love it. I love watching movies about real life historical events Uh, One of my my favorite movies is is the movie 42 about the life of Jackie Robinson. I love that movie, such a great movie. I loved the movie Lincoln. I don't know if you saw the movie Lincoln. I remember one President's Day, I made my kids go to the theater with us and watch that movie about our 16th president, and that's just who I am. It's kind of the patriotism within me, and so I love the movie Lincoln. Um, But what I've realized about myself is that the movies don't actually have to be historically accurate because I also liked Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. So so what does that say about me? You know, hey, sorry, don't judge me. Back off. I can be flipping through the channels, and this happens often, more, more than you would expect. I can be flipping through the channels and come across the movie Titanic. And for the next seven and a half hours including commercials. I am glued to the TV and it's not historically accurate, but I love it. I love it. I recently started rewatching the history channel docu-series called America, the story of us. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but it's, it's this epic 12 hour TV event that tells the story of how we, how America became what we are. But my love for history is not limited to just movies and and TV series. I love historic places. And so when we travel, if there's an opportunity for me to visit a, a historic place, I, I certainly will. And on our recent trip to Hawaii, Mandy and I visited Pearl Harbor. I mean, you can't go to Hawaii, right? Especially the island of Oahu. You can't go there without visiting Pearl Harbor. It was on our bucket list. It's what we wanted to do. And, and, and you'll remember, that's where 2,403 U.S. soldiers, sailors, and civilians were killed during a surprise attack by Japanese forces. Subsequently, that was the catalyst that caused the U.S. to enter World War II. And and probably the most sobering moment for me, church, was when we were getting ready to board the boat that was going to take us over to the USS Arizona Memorial. And in preparing us to be respectful at the memorial, the park ranger said these words. He said, the USS Arizona is as much a national cemetery as Arlington or any other national cemetery. And it was in that moment that it just hit me, man. Tears filled my eyes as I realized that there were still the remains of soldiers, people who gave their lives for this nation in that ship. And this past week, man, the news out of Afghanistan has reminded me of moments like Pearl Harbor There's a lot of history that is beautiful. But there's a lot of history that's devastating too. History can be both poetic and tragic. And sometimes it can be poetic and tragic both at the same time. And so it is with our personal lives. When you think about our lives, the story of who we were and who we are and and how we got here, it's, it's filled with both joy and pain. The history of your life has joyous moments and it has painful moments. And as you read through the Old Testament, you can't help but notice that there is so much pain, there is so much heartache, there, there's, there's tons of tragedy in the Old Testament. And sure, I, I know there are the moments of victory spread throughout the pages, but for the most part, there is just much hurt and, and so many setbacks. The history of the Old Testament is a story of God's people in constant turmoil with their faith and and their obedience to God. They try, but they just fail. They, They just can't get it right. But the story of the Old Testament is also the story of God in constant pursuit of a relationship with his people. And church, that is a truth that has not changed. God is still in relentless pursuit of us. throughout the Old Testament we see people struggling to trust God. One of those stories is found in Genesis chapter 18 and that's where I'll begin today. Genesis chapter 18. And it's the story, a very familiar story about a man named Abraham and his wife Sarah. I know that for many of you you know this story inside and out, yet for others, this will be brand new knowledge for you, but, but let me tell you, don't dismiss this, because I want to point something out to you today that I believe is life-changing for us. Genesis chapter 18, I want to begin by reading verses 1 through 15. Genesis chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. <clears throat> the Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance ...to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. So immediately, church, immediately, Abraham recognizes that there's something different about these men. He recognized that they were godly. And he says these words in verse 3. He says, My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet... And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to, ref- to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to a servant who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat, and he served it to the men as they ate. Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife? the visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year. Somebody say, about this time next year. (laughs) Circumstances can change about this time next year. Amen? Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children, so she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Speak for yourself, woman. Verse 13, then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. I love how God calls her out on this lie. Woman, you did laugh. Don't deny it. Don't lie to me. You laughed. And it has to be hilarious to God when we think that we know how the future is going to turn out. It, it, it has to humor God. And and it's because of our knowledge of history. It's because of of what we have been through and and, and what we've experienced and all the hurt and all the pain and all that goes with with all of that. And, And what happens is, church, we deceive ourselves into thinking that we know the future and how things are going to turn out. And we have bought into the lie that history repeats itself. That's what we believe. We believe it with world events. Therefore, we believe it with our personal lives, too. Because of what we've been through, what we've experienced, what we have seen, we believe that history will repeat itself. And I need to explain to you that, that I'm a student of graphs and charts. And I have been for a while. Since the early days of our church, I have always charted our, our, our church attendance and, and, and uh, everything from attendance and finances and, and even midweek services and that kind of stuff because I, I like to look at the numbers and usually in looking at those charts and, and looking at graphs I, I have a good sense of where the church is heading and, and I can track growth trends and, and, and different seasons that our church ha, ha, has been through and, and so for me it, it's, just, it's just something I enjoy doing that is until 2020 hit. And when 2020 hit, everything that I knew about church growth just went out the window. Because as you can imagine, we didn't meet for 10 weeks. And, and, and then after we came back together, you understand there's still people that are not comfortable in coming back to, to large gatherings. And, and so there's still people that we have not seen face to face in over a year and, 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 and even longer. And so when 2020 hit, it just kind of threw all of that stuff. All the charts just went out the window because how is it with limited attendance? During a pandemic, we broke seven tithe records during that time. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, how do you break giving records during something like that? I'll tell you how. God. It's just God. I can't explain it any other way. I can't call up another pastor and tell him, if you do this, this, and this, then you're going to break giving records. I can't do it because the the, the truth is, it's just God. Because God is not hindered by past trends. He is not bothered by the ebb and flow of church attendance. But I can tell you this on a personal note, God is not rattled by your history. God does not get, get, get weak in the knees. He doesn't start shaking because of what you've been through and the pain that you've experienced in your life. God is not afraid of that stuff. Therefore, God is not hindered by that. And at any given moment, God has the ability to erase the past and make something new and improved. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, God says this to the prophet. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Somebody today needs to hear that. Forget what's happened. Don't dwell on the past. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Your God says, don't Become so focused on what has happened to you that you miss out on the promises that I have for you. And church, I have watched as God suddenly erased the, the, the history, the past history of broken marriages. I've watched him do it. I've watched him bring restoration back to that home. I've watched as God has suddenly erased the past history of bleeding hearts, uh, of the hurt and the pain that brought someone to that moment. I have watched as God has suddenly erased the history of bankrupt finances. I've watched him do it, and it is by his favor and it is by his grace that God God can take hopeless yesterdays and turn them into hopeful tomorrows. Sarah was not convinced of the impossible. She was so convinced of the impossible that that she forgot that with God all things are possible. I, I wonder how many times we become so focused on the impossible that we lose sight Of the fact that God is God of the impossible. He rules and reigns over the impossible. And he makes things possible. You see Sarah. She allowed her old age to cloud her outcome. She was blinded to the promise. Because of her perplexity. She couldn't see a son. Because her skepticism was blocking the view. And sometimes we've got to get. That stuff out of the way. We've we've got to get the perplexities out of the way. We've we've, we've got to get the skepticism out of the way. Now. Now. Here's where this thing changes. I, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, known as the faith chapter in your Bible. And, and I want us to look at the very same story of Abraham and Sarah that we read in Genesis chapter 18, but I want us to read it as told in the New Testament. So, the same story in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 11. It was by faith. That Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Here it is, verse 11. This is it. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. She believed that God would keep his promise. Wait, what's happening? Because thousands of years earlier, that's not the story that was told. It's the same people. It's the same story. But there's some different details. They're describing Sarah completely different than the way I took her in Genesis chapter 18. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just my judgmental attitude. But let me tell you what's happened. This is history after it's poured through the filter of God's grace. Old Testament, verse 12 said in Genesis 18. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master my husband is also old. That's that's the Old Testament. New Testament, Hebrews 11 verse 11. She believed that God would keep his promise. Is this a mistake in the word of God? Is is this a contradicting story? No. This is what happens when your past meets his grace. Your history in his hands becomes a testimony. Oh, somebody's got to grab this today. You've got to take this with you. You've got to walk out of this room carrying what I'm telling you right now. You've got to leave it in his hands. You've got to leave your past in his hands because you can't fix it. And too many people, too many people, they put it in his hands only to take it back because it is their identity. You've allowed your past to dictate who you've become and it has become your identity. It, and it, it, it dictates All decisions of your life because you are trapped by your past. And some of you, some of you, maybe it was just me, but some of us have looked down our nose with contempt on poor Sarah. And we have labeled her and we've testified against her. You doubted God. How could you? You doubted God. You laughed at God. She laughed at God. And we're perfectly comfortable with putting that contempt on someone. But let me tell you about your God, okay? I can't explain all of God's history. Don't even want to attempt that. But God is not keeping a record of our past in his back pocket just so he can bring it up at the wrong time and throw it against you. That's not what your God is doing. That's what we do. That's how we operate. We hold people in contempt for the past. And it's this defense mechanism to keep us from getting hurt again. Right or wrong, that's the way it is. But that's not how God operates because God just lays it all out there. God just opens his heart wide and he just lays it out there. And if you receive it, you receive it. If you don't and you trample upon it, then he just is willing to get crushed again and again and again. But the promise of God is this. In 1 John 4 and 16, it says... God is love. Somebody say that. God is love. That's not used to describe him. That's what God is. God is love. You go to 1 Corinthians 13 and 5. It, love, keeps no record of wrongs. So God, who is love, love keeps no record of wrongs. Let me me just kind of boil all this down to you, for you right, really quick here because i got to hit the road soon. So, so, Genesis is our history. You need the Old Testament. It's the history. The Old Testament shows us where we've come from. It shows us what life was like before the age of, of grace, before this dispensation. It shows us. But Genesis is our history, but Hebrews chapter 11, it's God's version of the same story when he speaks over our lives. Chapter 11, you've heard of it before, chapter 11 bankruptcy? Some of you have experienced it. In its simplest form, chapter 11 bankruptcy suspends all collection activities. Chapter 11 bankruptcy suspends all foreclosures. It suspends all. All repossessions, but this is my favorite part, chapter 11, it suspends all judgments. When it comes to our past, we need to file for Hebrews chapter 11. Sarah could have gone down in history as the woman who laughed in the face of God, but instead... Hebrews chapter 11, Grace said she believed that God would keep his promise. Church, I am not my past. Somebody say that. I am not my past. If you're watching online, type it in the comments right now. I am not my past. I'm not. I'm not who I used to be. And, and, and I have figured this out. This, this is good. We're going we're to close this thing out. What's the biggest difference between Genesis chapter 18 and Hebrews chapter 11? What's the difference? It's one word. Jesus. The most significant event that happened between those two chapters in your Bibles, thousands of years, the most significant event that happened is Jesus. Jesus entered into history. God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. What's the difference between your past and your new promise? Jesus. What's the difference between a woman that laughed at God and a woman that believed in God? Jesus. And the difference between your old and your new is simply Jesus. Yesterday, yesterday I received a message from a man in our church that had just finished coaching his first football game and coaching his son. His first game of the season. First time with him taking on the role like this. And he told me in the message. He said they did good. They played hard. I'm very proud of them. Even though we didn't win. And I sat there. And I, I listened to this message. And I thought to myself. They may not have won on the, on the field. But this man. Is winning at life. CJ Stan. I remember when you were addicted to drugs and they controlled your life. I remember when you were irresponsible. But, man, by the grace of God, yesterday you stood on a field. And you crushed it, man. You crushed it. Thank you. This room is filled with people who allow God to take them from their Old Testament into their New Testament. From what life looked like and how they were described without grace... To how God looks at them and describes them with grace. The thought of redemption in some of your lives was almost comical. We would have laughed in the face of God. But God, God has a Hebrews chapter 11 for every single one of us. We will not be defined by our doubt. We will not be defined by our fear, and we certainly will not be defined by our past. Behold I am making all things new, all things, every single thing. You've just got to put it in his hands. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.